0: Our scripture reading this morning is Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. As you can see, as you just saw, um, we're continuing in a morning series called um, Parables on the Road to Calvary. Uh, We're reading through many, not all, of the parables in the Gospel of Matthew as we week by week get closer to Good Friday and Easter these several months Matthew 20, beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy and infallible word. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. And When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, "'Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who is hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous?' And so, the last will be first, and the first will be last. That's God's word for us this morning. On the one hand, this parable is pretty straightforward. On the other, it's a bit challenging to understand what Jesus is getting at. First of all, this morning, there are some irritating problems in this story that jesus tells and in problem number one i see there may be more i see at least four problems here problem number one is this don't the workers who worked the longest have the right to grumble working in a vineyard all day long as the one says who was talking to the foreman in the heat of the day it would have been very difficult Uh, The workday was about 12 hours, so those who came later, the third hour, sixth hour, ninth hour, and eleventh hour started at 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. So that last group only worked from 5 to 6 p.m. Starting in the the other, the one group started at 6 a.m., but, you know, the landowner pays the ones who worked one hour versus 12 the same um, any good union leader would call this kind of employment practice unfair right but the landowner rebukes them when it seems like they have every right to complain a little bit another sort of similar problem is that you know why would everyone get the same wage when they work different hours very similar to the first problem a denarius was a typical day's wage for workers in that day. Uh, And to give that same amount to people working far less than a day doesn't seem to make sense from the worker's side of things. It also doesn't make sense from the employer's side. I mean, could you imagine where you work if someone worked uh, three hours or one hour while you worked from the beginning of the day getting the same pay as you? Somehow, what the master says, well, you guys agreed, you first guys agreed to this amount. Somehow, that doesn't quite cut it as a satisfactory answer. A third problem with the parable why does the owner need to rub their noses in it? Do you notice he started paying the ones who came first last? It was normal. Uh, to pay like this at the end of the day but it was very odd to start with the last ones and because the owner wanted to do it in that order everyone else who worked longer than the last ones would see the other guys getting the same amount they were going to get the owners could easily have done sort of the normal thing paid the first one's first, and then they'd be on their way home and, and happy when the later ones are paid, and they wouldn't even have to know. But he pays in such a way that everyone, all the workers, can see what he's doing. And it just doesn't seem necessary for him to have done that. A final problem, what does it mean um, at the, the very last verse that the first, the last shall be first and the first will be last it's also mentioned, we didn't read it, I could have added it to the reading and maybe I should have, uh, but it's also mentioned in the very last verse of chapter 19, in other words, the verse just before the one we started. So the parable is actually beginning and ending with that statement. Uh, but the first one, it says the first will be last, the last will be first, but then it switched around at the end, the last will be first, the first will be last um it's it's almost like what is this statement especially switching it around like that um it sounds almost like a riddle what is jesus saying with this statement that's apparently key for understanding this parable and and you probably if you've been in the church a while or read scripture a decent amount you've heard that phrase before but do you know what in the world does it mean right so There are a number of problems in the parable that are kind of puzzling and and they're almost irritating. What is Jesus getting at here? Clearly, this couldn't be a lesson on how to run your business, right? Because if an owner did this day after day, he would not be in business long. A simple definition of parables is that they're earthly stories uh, with a heavenly meaning right maybe you remember that from Sunday school or, or something earthly stories with a heavenly meaning so it what's the heavenly meaning here what is Jesus saying about the kingdom what is Jesus saying about faith what is Jesus saying about our salvation it always helps to know a bit of the background of what we're reading in a book of the Bible It helps to know that Matthew wrote his gospel, especially to Jewish Christians. The Jews in the time of the early church and in Jesus' day were descendants of the Israelites. And those were God's special people in the Old Testament. Uh, There were some examples of non-Israelites joining God's people in the Old Testament And all throughout the Old Testament, there's foreshadowing that one day God's people would be wide open to all tribes and tongues and nations, people living in the United States, people living in India. But until Jesus came, God's promises were focused on Israel, right? And then after Jesus came, there were problems at times between the Jewish Christians and non-jewish christians or gentiles jewish people who came to recognize jesus as the promised messiah would sometimes think of themselves as more deserving of jesus and all god's promises because they were part of god's special people going back years were the chosen ones they would think or often even say were the real people of god who do these New, newer people think they are from different nations and speaking different languages. The disciples in chapter 19 leading up to this parable uh, were, were doing something similar, actually. Um, they felt they deserved something compared to other people coming to the faith. Peter says in 19, verse 27, we've left everything follow you and it's true they left their home and family and then peter says to jesus what rewards will we be getting when your kingdom comes and it's possible for us to do similar things today have that same sort of envy or at least comparison toward other believers toward newcomers in the faith people might think about the fact that they grew up in the church Or might think, we've been giving and serving here for decades, this is my church, who do these newer members and newer ideas that they have, who do they think they are? Or we think about the fact that perhaps going back for some of us, generations, our family has been in the church, and rather than feeling merely grateful to God for that, uh, people can feel superior Kind of like the parable of the prodigal son who is jealous of his younger brother. We can think we've slaved away, we've lived faithfully for the Lord, and the younger brother who'd wandered away for so long and lived in sin gets a party? I should be getting the party. I've been a faithful believer all my life. This problem that we can have in our thinking and that the Jewish Christians had in the early church, and the disciples too, clearly. That's all what Jesus is addressing and solving in this parable. Like the workers, we can be self-centered in our faith. The point, says the parable, is not when we started working in the vineyard. And the vineyard in the Bible so often is a picture of God's kingdom, or a picture of the church. The point is not when we entered the kingdom, joined the church, or how hard or much we worked compared to other people in the vineyard. The point is that we're in the vineyard, in the kingdom, part of the church. And here's the thing, regardless of when you joined, just like the workers got the same reward no matter when they came, Regardless of when Jesus calls us, we all get the same gracious and infinite benefits and promises. Eternal life, the crown of glory at the sunset, sunset at the twilight of history when Jesus returns. In fact, it's impossible for any of us to earn that through our work. Another way to put it, is that we're all on the same team. All God's people get the prize. You might say, as I put in the sermon title, everyone gets the ring. The Steelers won the Super Bowl last Sunday. Did you know, you know, for championships, they get um, these very ornate, expensive rings, right? The players. Um, Did you know that everyone on that team is going to get a championship ring? The starters and those on the bench, those who played the whole game, those who played like two minutes, those who scored touchdowns, those who did not, the MVP And whoever had the very worst stat line, and I didn't look up who that was. Whether a team has, whether someone's been on that team for years or maybe was traded, and I didn't look this up either, if there were any trades to the Steelers this past season. Someone who's been there for years or a member of the Steelers for like two months. Those who were sore and bruised after being in the thick of it all evening and those who were sitting there and didn't even break a sweat. Players, water boys, those who put video together to prepare for the games, managers, coaches, the ones, everybody. And the fact is, every worker is of equal value in God's plan. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians, every part of the body referring to the church, is important and has their special part. Everyone one part of faith CRC is of equal value to the Lord. In terms of salvation, God does not make any distinction or place people in order of importance based on how long they've been a Christian or what their role in the church is, whether you're a pastor preaching, a, a two-year-old who has only ever seen the nursery, Those who like to sit in the back, those who like to sit in the middle, those who like to sit in the front. Everyone gets a ring. Jesus says before and after the parable that the first will be last and the last will be first. And I think this phrase is pointing to that truth that we're all on the same team together one little bit different way to possibly translate these words that were originally in greek is that the first ones will be present among the last ones and the last ones will be present among the first ones in other words no matter who we are whether we've been a christian our whole life or turned to jesus on our deathbed the last the first and everyone in between are present among god's people on the same team, and will receive the full inheritance that God has for his children. The first will be among the last, and the last will be among the first. Everybody together, that's how God's kingdom works. That's what God's grace is about. You can't earn salvation with your work. And as long as the, the figurative day isn't over, in other words, Jesus hasn't returned, That means you can respond to God's call and be saved and receive God's reward. Just like someone whose family has been part of the church for decades and even hundreds of years. We're celebrating the Lord's Supper today. And this point of the parable is an important emphasis in communion. We all partake of the same bread and drink of the same cup. It's not like we get uh, potato chips all separate, or it's not like some of us get expensive wine and some of us get cheap wine. It's all the same, equal. The instruction on the Lord's Supper uh, from Paul to the church at Corinth uh it came out of certain people in the church thinking they were superior to others they were better than others in the early church from what we understand uh, it's almost like they celebrated the the, uh, lord's supper more like a potluck and what would happen is what was happening in corinth the corinth church wealthier people were able and did bring more and better food to share than the poorer members. And so they stuffed themselves with food and with, with alcohol, with wine, and they were even getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, these wealthier members. And the result was they were eating so much that there were people that didn't even get food or anything to drink. The wealthier members thought they were better than the rest, that they deserved more, and Paul reprimands the church uh, for that because the fact is, Like this parable teaches, we're all on the same team. Everyone gets a ring. God's priceless salvation. You wear the same jersey whether you're a freshman or a senior on the team. And it's the robes of the righteousness of Christ, says Scripture. No one is better than the other. We all receive God's gift of grace equally. This is very different from our natural thinking because we let the world's perspective on people affect us. In the world, people juggle and compete for personal fame. People are envious of one another and what they've got. But in the church, we're all spiritual billionaires as we each follow our specific calling from the Lord. The unity of the church, of this team, and the uniqueness of this message, this equality in the church, this unity is the greatest force in human history. It truly is. And it's why the devil works so hard to divide and conquer God's people. You've maybe heard or you've seen churches that break apart where people are not unified. There's much warning against division in the letters of the New Testament. Not warning against differences of opinion or different ideas, but division and causing division. That's different than differences of opinion. Teams that fracture or where there's envy amongst the players will fall apart. Teams where everyone knows their part and everyone respects the the other thrive. The first ones were paid the last, that oddity in the parable, were paid the last so that they could see that everyone is the same, everyone's equal. And and so we fight as a church and as individuals and withstand and we reject the devil's attempt to cause jealousy or envy in our hearts or to make us think that we're so awesome and great. And that's why God saved us, and instead see one another, everyone here, as equal recipients of the grace of God and his love, no matter what background we have, no matter how long we've known and served the Lord. I've talked about my family members before, and I think I've talked about my grandpa post, Paca, um, who grew up in the Netherlands in the 1920s and thirties, and back then, in that country, uh there was a much greater hierarchy amongst people and classes and occupations, uh, and that was true probably in many countries way back when. It's not as true there anymore. But he has told us as a family the story a number of times of how the church made such an impression on him as a little boy living there in the Netherlands to see the mayor, the burgemeester, sitting next to the average worker. That really impressed him because the mayor was like up here in the village or town, right? And respected everyone, Looked at him like, oh man, this guy contributes the most to our community. And workers and other people were much less. But in the church, everyone was equal. Even if in society, they weren't treated that way. And, and so, we're all on the, te- on the same team. Brothers and sisters. We all get a ring. That's God's wonderful plan. That's God's beautiful design. That's what God's grace is all about. And as we celebrate communion together, may God remind you and assure you of his grace for you, of his reward, which is there equally for everyone who calls on God's name. Amen.